Welcome to the Your Destiny Podcast. On my journey, um, getting to know uh, the Father, and I'm still on that journey, you know, it, that journey doesn't end because Dad always unveils himself even more in different circumstances. But on that journey, at the, early, at the beginning, there was one thing that I really could not get my head around, and it was uh, Psalm uh, 22. You'll understand. I'm surprised no one's brought this up, but that's fine. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I just couldn't fit that in to the knowledge and the experiences I was having and knowing Dad as, fa as Father God. Yeah, it just didn't fit in, I thought. Because I'd always been taught that when Jesus hung on the cross, that his dad turned his back on, back on him because he couldn't look on, on the sin. And, and, and I believed that because it seemed logical. You know, Jesus was carrying the sin of the whole world, past, present and future. Uh, but I, I thought, if this is a relationship of Father and Son and Holy Spirit, these three individuals, yeah, it just didn't sit right. So at that time, I, I was look, reading a lot of C. Baxter Kruger's books. Have you got them yet? Oh, you will be blessed, won't you? Yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, and he just um, had such amazing revelation and writ, wrote them in these books and and I was so thrilled because there was a full chapter on this. I thought, oh, I was got so excited because I thought, what this man has taught me about Father God is amazing. <coughs> that he is he's my dad and he looks after me, you know. It was just awesome. And now here was a chapter on the very scripture that still had me looking at dad as God, dad as God. Separate, not able to look on his son. But there was a lot of things that didn't quite sit right because I thought, God looks on sin all the time. God looked on sin when, uh, you know, when he got Noah to build the ark, the earth was so sinful. And a few times in the Old Testament, God looks and sees sin. It's like, that doesn't make sense. And I know he had the sin of the whole world, but it, sin is sin. That doesn't bother God. That doesn't frighten God in my mind. So I began to read this, this wonderful interpretation and explanation of this scripture. My God, why, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I'm going to try and stick to this because there's such a lot of good stuff in it. So if I read from it, just because I don't, there are some gems in there. Try not to get too excited. Uh, but both the book of Matthew and Mark tell us that Jesus took up this cry when he was dying on the cross. Now, it's very natural for us, steeped as we are in the Western religious framework, to see this cry of Jesus as the supreme expression of suffering. Now, if I can just stop here, do any of you... Did you, have you been taught this same thing that God turned his back on? Yeah. Yeah? yeah? Well, that's... 
well, that's fine. You're not going to get that garbage, lovey, right? You're not going to be taught rubbish. You're going to be taught the truth or what I believe. I shouldn't force my opinion on you. Please don't think that. But it's just some amazing truth that, that Baxter showed me through the word, you know, because you can't back everything up with the word of God, and which changed, really changed my thinking. So, I was always showed this, the dark side of the father in the background, you know, and the son takes on himself all the sin, and the father unleashes all his fury and his judgment on the son in unspeakable horror. As, God, as Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, it's so sad these, these days, and especially the older days, Sermons upon sermons would be preached on this. So it made it, it made you feel like if I just make, make a mistake, you know, and even mistakes in my day were sins, you know, that I, I'm really going to get throttled. I'm, God's really going to put rubbish in my life, you know, and not be very happy with me, you know. Um, that there was something, just to bring it today, just this past week, just going through a, a, a bit of stuff, you know, I mentioned last week about healing and this arthritis stuff, and how, how I felt bad that I, I hadn't got totally healed, you know, and it really was on my mind. And I dwelt on it so much that it, it just confused me a bit, not questioning God, but... It did put a, a barrier there, you know, and I, I felt so bad to think, why, why has it not happened that I was even thinking that, you know? And I went to sleep. Have you got them handkerchiefs ready? <laughs> I've got one, don't worry, because it always gets me. But um, I went to sleep and, and I woke up and Godfrey Bertel has brought a new CD out and we got it last week. And there's a song on there that I'm not disappointed with you. It's absolutely awesome. And I woke up, and we'd only bought it two days before, and I'd heard him sing it here once. And uh, I woke up singing this song, and I felt God said, I'm not disappointed in Jan. It's all right that you have thoughts like that, you know, because we just tend to feel, especially when you're so far on in years, age, and experience walking with the Lord so many years, that you should be better than this, you know what I mean? And I woke up, and it really, really, I'm not disappointed in you. And I just felt his hugs around me, you know, it was so, so sweet. So to have that now, and have what I had before, this frightening God that if I had a, a bad thought that I was going to get punished for it because if he turned his back on his son he's sure going to turn his back on me you understand the, the, the thinking um, and people preach that message and leave the congregation because I've been one of them feeling there's just like no hope and I better do better I'm really going to try from now on and, and then I'd go to the altar and give my life to Jesus again because I was so under condemnation because, because of this very psalm 
My God, my God, why have they forsaken me? And we have legalized this God, our God, as a God of anger. And he's far from it, as we've heard this morning as well. So is this the correct interpretation of this verse? Well, what if we read it as true Christians with the triune God? Now, I don't know how far you've come with that. Have you been learning about Father, Son and Holy Spirit as individuals? Not yet? Right, that's fine. Well, this is, there's one that I do before this which introduces that, but that's fine. Because the more you hear it, the more it's not just going to be head knowledge like we've been in, it, it, it becomes a part of you, yeah, and in, in all your situations, circumstances in your life, yeah, it becomes stronger, and it's good to hear it again and again. So, the, what it is now, the cry of Jesus on that cross is a direct quotation from Psalm 22. And if we read the Psalm as a whole, we find that the message doesn't end in despair at all but it ends in victory. You know, it's, it's, we'll go through it. it. And it ends with this amazing prophecy, and this is what it says, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will worship before thee. They will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born, that he has performed it. Now, in the message translation, and I, I love the message translation, in the, quoting some of the same stuff, starting at about 20, verse 23, he says, He has never let you down. He has never looked the other way. When you are being kicked around, he has never wandered off to do his own thing. He has been right there listening. That's another interpretation on that psalm. And I'm thinking, gosh, this is amazing. But why, why the first, why the first lines? I mean, it would be wrong to say, Jesus, why did you do the old psalm? Because he was in pure agony, wasn't he, on that? Pure agony. Um, but there is a reason for that. So between that cry and that prophecy lies the whole range of human emotion. All the stuff that we go through in life, yeah? All the stuff that you will go through, all the stuff that you've got through. It's a human being who's writing this psalm as the Holy Spirit is prompting him. And so the anguish of this psalmist is heightened by the fact that is Christ to God, are being met with stone called silence. But then it says, but in his despair, he rehearses the faith of his fathers. You, he have not brought the stick, I meant to bring it, doesn't matter. Um, Roy and I have a stick, and it represents the stick of Jacob. Now, Jacob's stick... Every time God did anything for him, he would either chip a piece out or put something on it to remind him what God had done for him. And Abraham had some stories to tell. 
and, and he will lean on this. And you know, sometimes when the enemy comes in, we need to lean on everything that God has done for us. Um, if I lean on my stick, I see... Um, um, they found lumps in, in, in one of my breasts. And I had a scan and I had to go to Christie's Cancer Hospital. Um, but before that letter arrived, I had the scan, then I got a letter, and I knew what it was. So Roy and I prayed over that whatever's in that letter, we're still going to stand for, for healing, whatever. So we opened the letter, they'd found something, and I had to go to Christie's. So I went to Christie's of my own, because Roy were working, and they gave me another uh, x-ray, it was, and sent me back out of the room. And I waited and waited. Anyway, they came back and they said, uh, Mrs. Bowles, we would like you to have another x-ray if you don't mind. I said, no, I don't mind. So they did another x-ray, and then another 20 minutes came back and said, we'd like you to come into this room, and we want to show you something, Mrs. Bowles. So they had the x-ray of the lump. There was a big lump in my breast. And then the two x-rays which she'd taken. And they were gone. The lump. They said, we don't know where, what's happened, but the lumps are not there. Yeah. So that was like awesome. Now that happened twice. I think it was about two years later, same thing happened. Completely no lumps. That's something to lean on when the enemy comes in, yeah. If you can do it then, you can do it now, can't he? You can do it now. They be prayed last night and my leg has been amazing since Sharon and Maggie prayed last night. But just keep holding on. And, and you know, sometimes when the pain, if pain comes and it gets so bad and it, it can really push you out, you're in so much pain, you just can't think, you know. Um, that's how it was a couple of weeks ago. But God is God. He is faithful. And, and even when I'm saying, oh, God, Please, you know, it's it's fine, it's fine, and it's learning to do what Timo said, just to sit back and rest, just to sit back and know that Dad's got it all in control. When we we fostered um, two, two boys, um, we, we fostered Millie, who you've met, some of you, who's very special needs, and then we fostered two boys. Anthony and Stephen. And these two boys had been very, very badly abused as Miller. And um, we took them in and we fostered them. And then she had another baby, which is called Chris, just like our Chris. And he came to us while they were trying to sort the court case out and all that stuff. Excuse me. And Roy and I said, if they come up for adoption, we really, really want to adopt these children. Excuse me. So it wasn't looking that the children would go back because uh, the dad was an alcoholic and um, mum had lots and lots of... Uh, she had lots of damage, you know. Uh, not physically, but in her mind, you know, she had a not very good bringing up. It, it's sad. And I love them both now, even now I love them. Um, because it's... It's not them, it's, it's a, sometimes it's circumstances where they brought up, it, it's sad. Anyway, um, 
they were going to come up for adoption, these children. So we said, well, we would like to adopt these children. So they went ahead and we had all the, you know, all the interviews and the stuff. But mum and dad were still fighting for these children. Um, and I can understand that to a degree, you know, but they did abuse them badly and it wasn't safe for them. So they had a big, big court case and um, it lasted three weeks and I was put on the stand and they asked me about my faith because these mum and dad had said, you know, the Christians and they, they brainwash them and all this. So when I was on the stand, he was asking me, what's all this about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues? I don't know where he got that from, but so I says, well, I, you've got, I've got a Bible here. You've got a Bible. Can I borrow it? I'll show you. So I looked for the script. Well, everybody knows Acts 2, don't they? It's not in the Bible, is it? It's been ripped out somehow. I said, sorry, love. This Bible's not much cop. <laughs> I mean, you've got to swear on this Bible, haven't you? Do the oath and it's not even a full Bible. <laughs> so he laughed, you know. And But anyway, it got really serious and it was so bad that it was like we were going to lose the children. And then the the father stood up. Um, his dad was alcoholic as well. And he said, I don't, I, I want my children to, if they're not coming to us, I want them to go in a home. And uh, I don't want them to go to Adam Roy Bo's home. And what he hadn't realised, he'd put like the nail in the coffin, really, because he'd prefer his children to go in a home than be brought up with, because we'd have them 18 months then, you know. Um, but all through that case, God gave us a scripture, because all we wanted was our children to be safe. Now, the children went back to mum and dad, this was before the court case. Um, and we were devastated because we were thought we were all sewn up. We were going to adopt them. And God had given us his prayer about them being safe. It was from Isaiah about them keeping them safe. And they went back to mum and dad. And we were absolutely devastated because we were scared. We were fearful what would happen, you know. So we went away with our grandson who we adopted, who I mentioned last week, Adam. We went away, we were advised, go and get away, get a holiday. So we went to Grand Canaria for a, a couple of weeks. And on the way back on the plane to Manchester, and we cried the first week, all week. But the second week, we just got this supernatural peace. It was, can't explain, you know, what we were saying, that peace that passes all understanding. And, and it was relaxing, it was good. So, But on the way back, I just looked through the aeroplane window as we were circling Manchester to come down. And I had a vision. And I saw um, the little redhead, Stephen. I saw him in hospital. And, uh, and Chris in hospital. And I saw Anthony at his mum and dad's house. And I thought, oh gosh, I mustn't think those, you know. And I thought, oh, I'm not, I mustn't think this, but that's what I saw. So I got off the plane and we went through customs and all that. And my daughters, I've got three daughters, were there and they were crying. And I said, what's the matter? He said, the children have been taken into care, they've beaten them up. And the social Blackburn want to know if you'll take them back in. 
And I said, of course we will, of course we will. And it was awful. It was awful what they'd done to the kids. So we then fought the case and in the end we won the case. But you know what? I will never lay it at the door of the parents because truly their lives had been really bad. I mean, really, I'm not going into it, but really bad. And very dysfunctional to the point that children were like the, to get benefit money. You know what I mean? Um, to make sure there were plenty of booze in and stuff like, and, and drugs and stuff, you know. Um, and you, you have to rescue children from that situation. Yeah? Because I always believe in par children being with the parents. Definitely. That is firm with me, whatever. You can get them together, get them together. But God was in that. All, even though we had to go through all that bad time, we kept speaking because we said, Lord, do we stop speaking this word now that the children have gone back? And we got this, no, carry on. And we carried on speaking about him keeping them safe and about bringing them back to the land of plenty, uh, which was obviously with Roy and I, you know. But I found it strange because I didn't want to cover something that was against that what they wanted to do, which was right. Um, so we got the children and we, and we won the case, but Dad was with us. So that was another badge. So we had this stick and we put another badge on about the adoption of the boys. You know, God is good. All through the times with my children, which the two that are in heaven now, which I'll tell you another time because it comes in with that. But leaning on that, and that's what this psalm was about. It was about the Redeemer. It was about the relationship. It was about Dad becoming a dad again. Because religion had torn that apart with the do's and don'ts and the punishment and making their own theologies up that God never put in, into place. It was about bringing salvation to the earth. And um, let me just get back to this. Because a lot of that psalm is about... So I, I won't miss any, any of it out so that you, 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 you'll get it. It says, in you, whoa, in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they were trusted and never disappointed. Let me just make sure I've not missed this part out. Um, it's Psalm 22, love, yeah. From the beginning. No, it's not that one I'm looking for. It's, maybe I should mention it. No, I won't mention it. Now. It is the, there's part of it that I, I, I no, I, I know the psalm. It was something else I wanted to show you. Why? The, what the old psalm is about. And why he only said those first few words. But we'll get to that. So this psalmist, remember this is a human person, this psalmist takes a turn into deeper darkness and he says, but I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by people, which is, this is talking about Jesus. So he's well aware of the faithfulness of God to the heroes of faith, but he thinks to himself, I'm no hero. 
And this is the psalmist talking, remember. I'm not even a good person. Even the people despise me. They mock my trust in God. Go ahead, they say. Commit yourself to the Lord and see what happens. Let the Lord deliver you. And you know, we can stand before God and claim that God ought to be faithful to him because of his, his own faithfulness to God. The minute, you know, we're, and I know there's so many times in my experience, the minute we turn in on ourselves, you were going through something, and then, it, a bit like what I was saying last week about that thing on Facebook, the boat, you know, and you're in the boat, and you, you're focusing on the water, and it's like getting stormy and stormy, and then you focus on it, and the water's in the boat, and you're going down. So when we're going through something, this is why the psalmist says, look up, look up to the hills because it gets you looking from, because physically, when you get down, you look down, don't you? It's like a physical, oh, what am I going to do? You know, and the psalmist saying, don't look down, look up, that's where you help. So don't turn in on yourselves, don't beat yourself up. You know what you, you were going through, Rachel? He was there with you. You know, test and tried and true, Rachel. That's what you are becoming. Test, tried and true. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. If we go through them, it's not the end, you know. He, he, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That's his promise to us. So no matter what we go through or where we go, what happens to our bodies, what happens to our minds, he is 100% there. I was taught, if you sin, heaven closes. And I used to pray and fast that that heaven would open. It's absolute rubbish. Would you treat your little Daisy in a bad way if she spilt a cup of sugar or if she... You wouldn't, no. And you're, you're not dad. You're not dad who made you the way you are. So how do we get this thinking in our head that he's going to beat us up if we mess up? Oh, my goodness. He's the complete opposite. He is full of love. His love... <laughs> doesn't it just... <laughs> oh, dear me. So don't turn on in on yourselves. You know, just remember, and Boz, making a commandment. I mustn't turn in on myself. <laughs> Delete that. <laughs> don't turn in, but turn out, you know, look up. And if you're struggling, get somebody around you. Don't be a man on an island on your own. You're not on your own. You're never on your own. And it's not nothing to be ashamed of. To say, look, I'm having a problem here. Can you just pray with me? You know, or will you do a sham bolts on me? <laughs> you know, get a word from me. You know, that's, that's good. Because we're one in Christ Jesus, aren't we? We need each other. And I'm no better than you. You're no better. We're all the same. In God's eyes, we are all the same. Well, I don't care what religion you're in. Daddy loves the Muslims, he loves the... Whoa! He loves them all the same. There is no difference, and he'll get to them, however, because he, what is God? 
You know, I could finish it right here and just say, right, that's it. God is love. You can't get past that. You can't get out of that. Well, it's so high, you can't get over it. So wide, you can't get out of it. And it's going off again. Oh, it's love is unconditional. You'll hear that from me every time I come here. <laughs> because it is. It is. You cannot get out of its love. And then, he, after he's done the despair bit again, he said, the psalmist makes an abrupt turn. He looks away from himself and from the mocking crowd of the people back to God. And he says, you are the one who brought me, and I'm talking to us all, you are the one, God, who brought us from the, from the womb. You made me trust when I was at my mother's breast. Because you're totally, totally. I mean, he's a breasted one. I'm sure you've done that one. And he just nurtures us, doesn't he? Just nurtures us. Just lovingly nurtures us. Upon you I was cast from birth, and you have been my God from my mother's womb. And then the psalmist cries out for deliverance. And this is what he says. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there's none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. You know the devil goes around as a lion. You know he's not got no teeth, don't you? <laughs> he's toothless. <laughs> Jesus knocked them out of him when he took the keys off him, yeah? Toothless, jaw. Let's flip in. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. They open wide their mouths me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like potsherd. And my tongue cleaves to my jaws. To my jaws. And you have laid me in the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But, listen to this, but you, O oh Lord, be not far from off, from me. O oh Lord, my help, hasten to my assistance, deliver my soul from the sword, not only life from the power of the dog, save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. So the tram of the psalmist is overwhelming. The dogs, the wild beasts, the roaring lion have surrounded him and are ready to pounce for the kill. Then he makes another turn and the despair ends and the praise begins. And the whole ordeal comes to a victorious end. Hallelujah. Such that the coming generations, that's you and I, will look back upon this event and see that the Lord has performed his salvation. And then it says, the psalm says, I will tell of your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. For he has not despised, not abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, now listen to this. This is the psalm. Neither has he hidden his face from me. 
Where's that? Where's that? That is 2224. I think this is the, uh, whoa, amplified. I think it's the amplified. But it's there in black and white. So, do you notice how religion always wants to condemn you? Oh, well, you're not doing it. You should be doing it this way, you know. You should be doing it that way. My sis, my sister, um, I had a sister called Gloria. Gloria, she's in heaven now. But she was a drug, drug addict and she was a drug pusher. And she was in prison a few times. And this one time she was in prison, she wrote my mum a letter. And in the letter she said, Mother, I just wish I could jump in a swimming pool at the three foot end and come up at the other end, and I'm totally clean. But religion had put on her, you've got to get clean before you go to know Jesus, yeah? That's it. And, and I, said, I said to my mum, Mum, she doesn't have to do that. Jesus has already done that. He's already paid the price for that. But that's what religion has done. It's just put condemnation and fear in our lives. And Jesus took it all. Glory to God. He took it all, didn't he? Wonderful Jesus. And he didn't hide his faith from him. He never forsook him. Ever. Not for a second. In fact, there's a scripture in... Um, I'm going ahead of myself, but it don't matter. Um... Well, I've written it down somewhere. 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says, God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world. He was there in him. He never left him. God was part of salvation. It was his plan before the foundation of the world for anything were made or created. Yeah. And, and this religious... Thinking religion, because it smells, has painted this horrible picture. And But this is what Jesus came to do, was to bring us back to Dad. Bring us back to Papa. Bring us back to the Father. Because religion had just tore it apart. Do's and don'ts and commandments and doctrines and theology. Glory, glory. And here he is at the cross with his son. You, you'd get in your, in your kid's place, wouldn't you? I'd gladly take the place for my Adam. So he never left him and he never forsook him. He was with him all the time. Glory. So it goes from agony to this God's victorious intervention. Now then, why? Because this got me. Why? Because I thought about the suffering. Why? <laughs> Why did Jesus quote the opening verse of this psalm? Whoa. And I thought, well, maybe it's because he was in so much pain, you know. Not at all. In the days of Jesus, to hear the verse of a psalm was like hearing the beginning of a tune of a favourite song. The tune jump starts, the tape in our heads, and it sets us off singing the whole song. Now, the Levites in the temple sang a psalm for each day of the week, and on the Sabbaths and festivals accompanied the song with instrumental music. 
And that, I believe, along with Baxter Kruger, is what happened. It was jump-starting this psalm, which was a psalm of salvation. It was about dying for all the sins of the world, past, present, and future. Yeah, taking the whole lot on him. And the victory, the victories that was going to come from that, that that toothless lion was going to be, have his teeth ripped out. His power taken off him. He was totally stripped. Totally stripped of any, all his power. And all he has now are lies and deceitfulness. Yeah? And we have a choice to believe that or not. Yeah? Choose not to believe. Yeah? And if we, we just let, don't worry, get back on board. Because he has no power over us at all. He stripped him of everything and he led everyone captive. He, he left the captive, captivity captive, didn't he? He took them out and he set them free. So it was jump-starting the whole, because they knew it. They were, all the Jews were there. They knew that psalm. These kids, these Jewish kids had taught these psalms off by art. And that's all it was doing. And that made sense. That can make total sense. This is it. He's showing them the road of salvation. What he would suffer, how they would scoff at him. But the victoriousness from generation to generations to come. And you know what? We are even more blessed than them. Because we haven't even seen Jesus in the flesh. Yeah? May have seen him in visions and fabulous that. Wonderful. But. We are even more blessed. Isn't that great? I love it. So what is happening? Where are we? <clears throat> Whoa. Oh, Jesus. So on this cross, Jesus surely was identifying himself with the suffering of this psalmist that God had given these words to, this prophetic psalm. But he also identified with the whole psalm, not the beginning, the whole event. So here it is. Nothing, it's not lost. It looks like the dogs are winning and his God has abandoned him, but that he was utterly forsaken, but this isn't the case. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the affliction, neither has he hidden his face from him. I love it. I love it. In fact, the opposite of the truth, isn't it? It's a complete opposite. Oh, Jesus, you're wonderful. I, oh, it, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? You know, when, when you've been indoctrinated with that stuff for years and years and years, and then you say, yeah, that makes sense. That's what a dad is. A genuine, real dad is always there for his kids. And you know what? Even on that cross, Jesus suffering as he was, knowing this whole psalm through, was rejoicing. Because this was not the end. And you know, I was reading that yesterday morning, uh, yesterday morning and I was thinking to myself, do you know there's something else here that I've missed? Do you remember that scripture that he set his face as a flint towards Jerusalem for the joy? Because he knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to be crucified, take the old sins. But he had, it was joy that drove him. And while he was on that cross, Camille, 
It was joy through that pain that all these generations that you and I were going to come to Christ. We're going to come to him and live this amazing, flipping loved on <laughs> so much that, 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 well, I can't, I can't find words. So loved on. All I can say is so loved on. You know, going through the darkest, darkest, whoa, glory. I might even mention something here. Now, it's not a coincidence. Now, that's Psalm 22, but it's not a coincidence that Psalm 23 carries on. Listen, this, this is good. The Lord my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, <laughs> this is Jesus, he's walking through this shadow, yeah, he's actually dying, he's walking through this shadow, he's suffering, shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and staff comfort me, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And goes on, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> Glory. Sat at the right hand of God, and also sat here. <laughs> oh, heaven is here, isn't it? Heaven is here. Glory. So that is part of it. But it don't end there. You go to the next psalm. No, we'll stay here a minute. <laughs> Be because I, I, I want to show you something very, very precious and very personal. Because this became... So real to me when, when my son died, and then uh, three three years later, my daughter died. My son died of drug addiction, and my daughter died of alcoholism. Um, my son was thirty five, I think. My daughter was thirty seven, thirty eight, something like that. And when my son died, it was the worst time of my life. Never known death, and he was my only birth son, right? My only little Daniel, my only son, and yeah, it was the worst ever. But God got me through it. God got me through it. I learned a bit more of the closeness of the Father. And then just before we came to Kingsway, because we were pastoring and we retired from pastoring, my daughter, um, Ruth, died from alcoholic po poisoning and all her organs shut down and... Um, I have never known my dad. Because remember, this is something we grow in. Yeah? Bless him. I'm so glad we grow in it because that's a good thing. That's healthy doing. And my daughter, she was in hospital and she'd been in three weeks and everything was shutting down. And she was suffering bad. <clears throat> and I kept praying and praying. And so I said to the nurse, this nurse come on duty, I said, my... I can't watch my daughter suffer like this because there was no hope. Everything was shutting down. She says, you know what, Mrs. Bo, she said, I feel the same. I'm going to get the doctor in because this isn't right. And she was a Christian nurse. She said, I'm a Christian and I don't believe she should suffer. I says, oh, well, I'm a Christian and I don't. I'm a mother. So they got the doctor up and the doctor got us in um, 
in the room and talk to all the family and her husband. And he says, there's nothing we can do at all. He said, because the organs are shutting down. He says, so, because they were keeping her alive on a machine. That's what, what I'm missing to say. And uh, about three days earlier, Sharon and Anne did come up um, and she said, they'd prayed. And she says, what's her favourite song, Anne? I said, oh. And I couldn't think because my mind wasn't. She said, it'd be good to find a, a favourite song and then sing it to her. So I said, yeah, I will do that. So they went off then. They, I think they went to see the daughter in America. And they were away, they were away on holiday anyway. And um, so I said to her, her husband, what is a song? Because I Ruth love worship. You know, her husband was our assistant pastor. I'd been at the assistant pastor. And it said, blessed be the name of the Lord. I said, oh, yeah. So I started to sing it to her anyway. The doctor had us together and he said that there is nothing we can do. He spoke to all the doctors that were in charge of different organs in the body, the liver, the, you know, and they all said the same, there's nothing. So we think the best thing is to take her off. He said, no, she could go immediately or it might take a, a couple of days, uh, which is not what you want to hear. But anyway, he took her off the machine. And um, all the family came, and so if I get upset here, it's all right, yeah? I'm just showing you what a great dad we've got, yeah? <laughs> I'm a great mum too. So I held her in my arms, and I sang, Blessed be the name of the Lord to her. And she had her eye closed all the time, and suddenly she opened her eyes, and she looked up, and, and I knew, I knew she could see Jesus, I knew it. I said, you can see Jesus, can't you? You can see Jesus. And then she smiled, and she went. And everyone around me, there was about 15 round the family around the bed. But you know what? Dad was a dad to us all then. You know, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, because you are with me. And, and that's how it is. That's how precious he is. That's how dear he is. So anyway, um, uh, I'd been listening to a Godfrey Bertle song and, and, and it had been such a strength to me. Um, and I was, I had my younger daughter. Everyone wanted to take me on, but I didn't want to know. And I got my own car and we're fine. So me and my younger daughter Zoe were walking down past the hospital at early hours at morning. And I saw, I had a vision right in front of me. And there was our Danny, like basking on a cloud. <laughs> and our Ruth were all oh, like this looking round. And I'm telling our Zoe what I'm seeing. And our Zoe said, oh, mum, that's amazing. So we got in the car. I said, now listen to this song. So um, I put this song on. Flipping, I can't even remember the name of it now. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit came in the vehicle. And the vehicle was shaking and we were laughing and crying. And it was the most amazing experience. So we said our goodbyes and I went home and, and told Royal about it. And it was just amazing. It, it was amazing. Um, but, and I missed it. And the pain was just so much, you know. Um, anyway. 
a funeral was delayed because it was Easter holidays. That's why it was Easter. And I come to our old church in Cleveland's Road. And I, I, I really didn't want people fussing me, you know, because it's not about me. You know, so I just wanted to come in and like, just, and people were lovely. They were lovely. So Timo was doing the worship. Whoa. And um, I had a vision. And in the vision, I saw the, the Lord's my shepherd. You've heard this, haven't you, Chris? Sorry? You've heard this story. It's okay. So I had this vision of the Lord's my shepherd, you know, lying down in green pastures, all the trees and, and the stream. Oh, it was wonderful. And there was our Danny, because my Danny loved the sun. He always had a tan, just loved it. And our Ruth, very inquisitive, wanted to know what was going on. And the, nothing's changed, it's still like that, it's still like that. So he's basking in the sun, and she's like, oh, it's amazing this. And our Danny said, oh, lie back, Ruth, just enjoy his presence. And I'm, I'm like, oh, wow. So the worship stopped, and I sat down, and we have a painter who you'll probably see, um, Carl, and he used to paint stuff at back at church, you know. And um, Andy said, oh, what a lovely picture Carl's painting. So we all looked round, and I was like, I couldn't believe what he was painting. He, he was painting two sheep, the small one and one a bit bigger. And that was our Ruth and our Danny. And I couldn't get, I caught my breath. Oh my goodness. So he come to, he never comes to me, Carl, because we just say hello. But he come to me and said, I'm so sorry. I said, oh, that's fine, that's fine. I said, but you know what you've just done, don't you? So I told him the whole story. So I said, I need to have that picture because he sells them as well. So he says, oh, no, no, I'll take it, take it. Anyway, long story short, I took it, went to Ikea, got a frame, got it up. (laughs) In Malibirim, you'll see it because you'll be coming for a meal to our house. And it, I have never grieved from that day. Never grieved, never been in pain. That has brought the most comfort to my, but that's the kind of dad we have. Yeah? He is interested in every single part of our lives. So, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel no evil. And you know the scripture? That came to me is also, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. (laughs) I know that, Sam. I know those words are true, because that's the kind of dad he is. So what he did up there on that cross, and dad was with him, and precious Holy Spirit, they were there. They would say, come on, we're going to do this. We're going to bring Rachel to Jesus. We're going to bring little Daisy's mum to Jesus. We're going to give them a life worth living. We're going to deliver them from drugs and addiction. And, and that's the joy. He had the joy on the cross. Whoa. And miss all that suffering. One, that's a translation of the message, by the way. It tells you about that joy. It doesn't say joy, but you can feel it when you're reading it. And that's the joy that took him. He knew exactly what was going to happen to bring us back to our dad. You can't get better than that, can you? <laughs> eh? It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. This religious God is now the daddy of all daddies. 
as you say. He is, though, because that's, who, that's his nature. His nature is love and kindness, compassion. And he knows what we go through. Don't ever think for one minute he hasn't suffered or known what you've gone through. He was there with you. I'll finish this here, but I'll tell you this last story. You were talking about sozos um, earlier on. Whoa. Well, I went to this little conference and it was it was held in this house. Whoa. Um, and it was a really nice conference, um, proper homely. And at the end of the, uh, the conference, it, it was on for two days. He cares about every every single thing in our lives. And at this conference, I was overwhelmed. We were soaking to some music and we didn't even know what souls all were. And we, whoa. And we were just soaking in this amazing music. And uh, I just felt the love of God so much on me. And I, I, again, God took me to a, a house I used to live in when I was a little kid. And it was a horrible house. It had blackjacks in. It was, oh, it was disgusting. But it was a rented house. It was all my mum and dad could afford. Whoa. But there were a lot of bad things happened in that house. And, and I'm in this house. And he's, he, the Lord takes me up the stairs. And he takes me into this room. And as we go in in this room, light fills this room. And something bad happened that I know of in that room. But light was there. And Jesus was saying, I was there, you know. I didn't leave you. Then he took me further up into another room of some other abuse that had happened in my life. And he took me into all these different rooms. And you said it. You said it. I can't remember the word you said, Rachel, but it was like the lights went on and all the lies and the pain and hurt that you'd carried had gone because he was there. He was there. And I didn't know what would happen this. And I'm streaming in tears because I'm overjoyed that Jesus was there and he never left me, yeah? I was overjoyed. And uh, this guy, bless him, he got it all wrong. He thought I was crying for something else, but <laughs> it don't matter. God bless him. He was loving on me, weren't he? And then I came away and, and I told Royal about it and I didn't know about Sozo. And then a few months back, we sat again, teaching on Sozo. I thought, that's exactly what happened to me. And God gave me my own personal sozo. So when I was training to be a sozo lady, which I'm not now, um, they wanted to do a sozo on me. And I said, well, I don't need one. I, I, Jesus gave me one. You know, and she, Laura, I don't know which one it was, but she said, I heard later that she said, she can't, she must need a sozo. <laughs> but I didn't, because God bless her, that's all right too. But I, Jesus had done it. Do you understand where I'm coming from? If you don't get someone to do it with you, Jesus will do it with you anyway. If you need one, he'll do one. But thank the Lord for Sozo. Thank the Lord for what, that we have this opportunity to be helped through this. I, I'm not knocking it. Are you, 
It's number one because how I felt when I came out of that was completely free of all that abuse and all that hurt and all that pain, you know. Loads of it. And I'm not going to go into all that. It don't matter, does it? It's gone. But that's how personal dad is. Yeah? He, he, no matter what, he's with you through everything. And he gives us his love and he gives us his wisdom. And guess what? It's not just for us. It's for everyone. And this is what we do when we go out about gut shop or wherever we go. We have this amazing love that overflows and just spills out on folk. You know, no matter what character or personality, it don't matter. When you know dad and when you're growing to know him more and more, you begin to realise, wow, I am so loved. I am his favourite daughter. <laughs> and so are you. <laughs> he has no favourites, but yet he has. You know what I mean? It's that kind of love that makes you special. Yeah? You are a princess. <laughs> Father, we just thank you because you did it all. <laughs> I love that song that you gave to him, oh Lord. You've done it all. You've done it all for us. It's the finished work. It's completed. And we're just getting to know you more and more and more each day. And that is phenomenal. That is amazing. We have never, any of us, known such love. And we just ask your Holy Spirit just to reveal more and stretch us, Lord. Stretch us, Lord. Fill us more and more with you, Lord. With through this relationship that we have, which is all personal and you just meet us where we are. And I love that about you because that's just what a dad does, isn't it, Lord? You just, whatever that son or that daughter's going through, you know, you know what they're going through and you just there and guiding them and loving on them and directing them and, and blessing them and giving them favour. So we just want to say thank you, Daddy, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, <laughs> for being obedient and being the best son ever. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing all this truth to us. We are in your debt, as so to speak. So we give you praise and we give you glory, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the I Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.com dot org dot uk